Can you believe we're already at the ninth episode of Outlander this season? I mean, it is flying by. So much has happened. And this week we're on the doldrums. I'm Carson. Thank you so much for checking on in with hashtag talk about Lander. I know I've got that little weird gravelly thing going on because it was CMA week. And if you want to see everything that went on at the Country Music Awards, you can find me through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's Carson on air, C-A-R-S-E-N. For all things Outlander, it is talk about Lander. So let's dive into the doldrums. Actually, let's start with the theme song. We got a little island remix with it, and I was like, I was totally feeling this. It's like they changed so much of it. And, of course, I'm watching Outlander at midnight, and I'm basically having a conversation with my television going, yeah, I'm feeling this. I like this. And when we get into the doldrums, to be 100% honest, I looked it up because I thought I kind of knew what it meant, but there's two definitions to the doldrums. It's... An equatorial region of the Atlantic Ocean with calms, sudden storms, and light, predictable winds. Okay, we definitely saw that. But the doldrums are also a state or period of inactivity, stagnation, or depression. Interestingly, for the doldrums setting onto them while they were at sea, everybody's personal relationships? No, that was the absolute opposite of the doldrums. I'm not even sure that's really a thing, but you know what I'm saying. I felt like the personal relationships in this episode really moved forward, and I thought it was a fantastic episode for those of us that have been waiting for the reconnection of Claire and Jamie. But we'll we'll get to all that. Also going to talk about the shades of wedding that we saw in there, and even... Even a little smidge of Titanic parallel that I was feeling. Now, when we see Claire and Jamie and they're talking to Jared and they're going to get on the ship and, hey, should we tell Jenny and Ian that their son's been kidnapped? This is one of my favorite moments in the entire episode. Jamie's like, oh, I, I told her everything. I put it in a letter. Well, yeah, they're going to be safely at sea by the time the letter reaches Lollybrock. But, hey, you complained that Claire didn't write letters for 20 years. So here you go. Here's a letter. I mean, so absolutely ridiculous. Now, Jared had mentioned that uh, baggage was brought on board from Lollybrock. And, well, there's the baggage. Mersali, she she's not thrilled to see Claire calling her in her little Scottish way. Um, she and Fergus have been a thing apparently since August. And this is... There is nowhere to hide. Like, even Lollybrock, right? You could at least escape to the grounds, maybe run to the stables. Like, they are sequestered on a ship together. But what I love about Marsali, man, she is not having it. She is going to marry Fergus. She is not here in your way, any way, outside of it. And she's pretty pig-headed and stubborn about it, which... I mean, I know another pig-headed and stubborn female on this boat. Now, I get it. You're Leary's kid, and I know things are going to unfold in the future. But as of right now, sitting in the show, I mean, maybe it's like magnets that you just have to flip one over, and maybe they'll get along. Yeah, but not right now. Um, Something that I was very glad to see, even in the very beginning of this episode, when... Jamie and Claire are still trying to figure out, do we really want to be together? And he offers to take her to the stones. Oh my, can we just domino freaking Craig Nadon already? Like, can we just push these stones on over so nobody can get back? Like, come on, man. Like, yes, you're all meant to be together. And you finally got to see some shades of softening Claire with Jamie's seasickness. So that bodes well for what's going to happen through this episode. And uh, there's a lot of superstition. There's a lot of Claire acquiescing 
on this ship because she, yes, she's the surgeon. She's speaking to the captain. She realizes she kind of goes over the line. And when she quotes Shakespeare back to him, it's absolutely showing her education. But I like to think that she was realizing that, yes, you are back in the 18th century. This is something that Jamie was trying to tell you in creme de menthe and you didn't want to listen to. So finally, I think she's getting it through her head like, honey, I get it. I'm a feminist, too. But you have got to uh, you got to know your space. You got to know your place and you got to know your time. Despite Jamie and Claire having that conversation about the stones, what I did love, the conversation with Jamie and Fergus, and he says, you know, you told me about how it was with you and Milady that you were in love with her from the first moment you met her. And I think those are things that we need to be reminded of as we watch them find their way back to each other. Because sometimes, let's be honest, as a viewer, I'm like, oh my God, can you guys just, can you just hold hands already? Can you just, I mean, I don't care, kiss, whatever you need. You don't even have to show it to me. Just like lean in for it and I'll assume it's there because I just need to know that they're close. Um, Claire meeting with the captain for dinner and talking about superstitions and even like the bare-breasted thing. All right, but I get it. It's He's explaining to her what's going on in his ship and what's super cool about this captain is he's, I'm not going to say he's treating her like an equal, but I will say possibly appear that he's not speaking down to her. He's just explaining this is what you're in for. And hopefully that is gotten through to her. Um, Jamie throwing up, still hot, still would. And I liked Claire and Marsali's interaction in the bunks that... Claire is trying. She's trying to be nice because she's maybe she's learned something from the captain that she's taking um, his respect of her and she's bringing it over into her personal life now. And um, Marsali, snoop, girl is still not having that. So, Claire, good on you. It's like dealing with my freshman college roommate. She's taken the big bed. Um as time goes by, we see Claire getting back into her groove of making meds, dispensing meds, working with people, healing people. That's really her happy place and where she feels comfortable. And it's interesting when they showed the men below decks, you know, singing and playing the recorder. It's like that totally reminded me of Titanic when Jack says, you want to go to a real party? And I'm like, wow, man, being on a ship looks like a whole lot of fun. Then we find out a bit a little bit later in the episode that, um, no, not so much fun. And of course, Titanic. Well, we all know how that ended. While Claire has been dispensing her medicine and her healing to her husband, it turns out that Jamie has been receiving acupuncture for his seasickness. And it's working that Willoughby has been doing this for him, putting little needles in, and it's it's made Jamie totally better. What's great, though, is Jamie didn't want to offend Claire's feelings. He didn't want to insult her medical prowess. And it is. Here's a guy. Man, is it me? Like, Jamie is trying, y'all. Jamie is in there. He is all in this. Like, we saw last week that he would do a whole lot worse than lie to keep her. I mean, this, I'm sticking a couple needles in my face. I'm just not going to tell you about it. But what we finally got, and I think that we've all been waiting for, was when Claire said, yes, it's frustrating, but it was never a question that I loved you. Finally, I think I, I looked at that and I said, I don't know who needed to hear that more. Me or Jamie. That was that's what we needed from Claire. We needed that reassurance. We needed that to 
um, I, th- I think, kind of reconnect. Because as much as we all loved Print Shop, right, that was a physical reconnection. Even they were awkward in bed when Claire's asking about what he does for a living and he kind of starts admitting to, you know, being a trader and running the booze. And she's treading very carefully about were there other women. This, while well, yes, physically they reconnected, I don't feel that we've gotten the emotional from them. And this was it. This was the moment. And then there's another one later on. But we will get into that. So Jamie notices the ship's not moving, going back to the superstition that the doldrums, this is the part of the Atlantic that we're in, they're not getting the wind. So we're going back to the superstitions of the guys thinking the horseshoe hasn't been touched. And we're on the brink of a full-on witch hunt with the shades rolling on back to season one, right? Like That's exactly how I thought about it. This show does callbacks better than almost any I've ever seen, with maybe the exception of Arrested Development and Community. And those are comedies. So this is a totally different way to go. I love how they make that happen, that we see the parallels and we see those connections there. Um, beautiful moment between Claire and Jamie talking about Brianna and the man on the moon. What did concern me, though, hey, great, we're talking about the daughter. I love that organically Jamie is finding out things about Brie. But Jamie was so enthralled with the idea of airplanes. Remember in season one, Claire was telling him about that. She has just dropped a major truth nugget on him. People went to the moon. Men have been to the moon. And Jamie's just like, okay, cool. I get it. He's stoked to have Claire back. They finally have a moment together. They finally have a moment alone. But like, men were on the moon? Or is it there are times where he's still like, I mean, I know my wife technically traveled through time, but I'm still not 100% sure I believe her. You know, like, I wonder if that's just how he processes it in his 18th century brain. Now, the crew has banded together. They have got to have reparations in order for this superstition to be fulfilled. They've got to go full on Jonah, throw somebody overboard. The guy that didn't touch the horseshoe. And, of course, it's one of Jamie's men. And this is where Jamie goes full on Jack Dawson. Again, I felt like, am I watching a little Titanic here? When he climbs up the post, the mast, in order to bring the guy back down. And then, of course, dude falls and he's got him swinging by his arm. I mean, it is watching Jack Dawson hold Rose DeWitt Bucator on the, whatever the back of the boat is called. I'll be honest, I I didn't spend a lot of time studying nautical terms. But yeah, they're hanging off the back of the boat and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am totally watching Titanic here, which is not a bad thing. It's like the greatest movie ever. Um, Jamie, of course, playing the hero. And that, for me, was shading back to the devil's mark when he comes in and saves Claire. And this time he comes in to save one of his men and actually in turn is kind of saving the boat. But the real hero of the day is Willoughby telling the story, which I don't know if it's a tall tale. I don't know if it's true. Maybe that will be revealed. But the compelling story about why he had to flee his home. And let's be honest, dude gets a little bit descriptive when talking about woman. He could so have a job as a romance writer, right? I mean, this guy could be raking in bank. And guess what? You know, printer, Jamie is sitting right there. Something that kind of made me chuckle watching this scene is when um, Willoughby mentions the word eunuch, that that's what, you know, they wanted to do to him. And you've got the crewmen making little scissor things. And then Fergus telling Marcella he'll explain the term to her later. Fergus is basically the 1700s urban dictionary. Like, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have Google. They certainly did not have urban dictionary. But instead, you have Fergus. He is going to explain the term to her. He had to explain menage a trois back in creme de menthe. This is what I love about Fergus. This boy has been around 
around, and uh, he's not afraid to tell you all about it. I mean, he is not going to pull any punches, just like he did not keep anything back when telling her about his history. I mean, initially, didn't talk about the other chicks in his life, but Jamie kind of forced his hand, and of course she's okay with it. Number one, they love each other. Number two, you're stuck on a boat together. I mean, I don't know where she thinks she's going to go. But back to the real couple, the couple that we care about, the couple that we are invested in, the reason that we're here, Claire and Jamie getting so, I mean, the sexual tension, so flirty when they're rocking back and forth in the hallway and they go into that storage room and they reconnect physically. And it was, it's everything the print shop was and more because you could tell the the trust is back. She's all in. Not that she wasn't in print shop. Absolutely, Claire wanted him. But now that now that the walls are down, now that every secret is out there, now that everything is on the table, yes, definitively, they want each other. I think this was the physical answer to the question that Jamie asked at the end of the last episode. Would you risk the man I am for the sake of one you once knew? I mean, that one last week just wrecked us all. And I think this was, yeah. She's all in. We are risking this. And then the emotional connection afterward with the wedding callback when he's talking about now her gray hair as opposed to her brown hair. I just I'm not going to lie. Like, look, my dad is in town. He's visiting and I'm making him watch Outlander at midnight. He's never watched the show. And I am bawling my eyes out at the talk about her gray hair and how it looks silver in the moonlight and how it's calling back to their wedding night when he's looking at the brown hair. And my father's looking at me like I'm insane. I'm like, look, basically, I'm telling my father to watch the show. We don't need to watch together, but we can totally have catch up episodes afterwards. So they go up on deck. The British are coming, which, oh boy, they, whoa, I didn't even realize that, but the British are coming. Like, that's some foreshadowing, right? Um, and they're thinking that they're going to take some of the men that they need uh, bodies in order to keep sailing. And it's Jamie and Claire are going to split up again. Like, okay, I get it. The show is action, the show is adventure. If they lived happily ever after, there's not a show, but can you just give me five minutes? Five, five, and I'm talking five minutes, full on 300 seconds of them being happy. And it turns out, all right, they don't actually need Jamie. They need the surgeon. They get Claire over there. And you know, I made the comment earlier about like Jamie still looked hot when he was vomiting. All right, Jamie's vomit was nothing compared to the typhoid fever that we were looking at on the boat. They went all in with that. It was graphic. It was it was disturbing, but that's exactly what was happening. And it's weird because when you when you watch like Pirates of the Caribbean, we have this very romanticized idea of what was happening on ships. And this, whoa, did they hit us in the face with some reality? When Claire is relaying to the captain of the ship what to expect, what is going to be coming, I really felt that was a callback to Culloden to explain to Jamie what was going to be coming with the Jacobite Revolution. Again, I just, I feel like the show is so good at paralleling itself and so good at calling back and uh, being reminiscent and in giving us this this just colorful, textured tapestry of histories, because in its own way, these men battling typhoid fever, it, it's just it's its own kind of horror. Maybe not the exact same as war, but we are going to see some pretty gross stuff. And what I like is that it seems at sea, guys are a little bit more accepting of Claire. I felt that there was respect coming from both captains, and that's a really good place for her to be in. 
It's not a good place is when the ship takes off. Like, seriously? Come on. I know he promised we'll reunite you with the boat in Jamaica and you'll see your husband. But, oh, my God. Like, was anybody else voting for Claire to jump overboard and swim? I mean, girlfriend's got to be able to swim. We know Jamie can swim. Dude, get in the boat. Like, like, just jump in and chase her. But we'll see what happens next week. And before I wrap this up, one more quick thing about the reconnection of Jamie and Claire. Like, I feel this was the episode where they have reconnected 100%. And that circle was totally closed when they were talking about oaths. When Claire said the oath she took as a doctor and Jamie picks up her hand and is touching her ring and says, I know something of oaths myself. That was that was absolutely what we needed for this whole thing to spin around. And physically, they've reconnected, obviously emotionally. And I think that was that was a full on soul bearing display that we saw there. Thanks so much for being a part of hashtag TalkAboutLander on Twitter at TalkAboutLander. I really appreciate you putting up with a little gravel that's rasping through my voice today. I think next week will be a lot better, but let's be honest. Like CMA week was incredible. If you're a country music fan, make sure to check me out um, through Carson on Air. Y'all, I got to hold Garth Brooks's CMA Entertainer of the Year trophy while he held my purse. And yes, I have got the pictures to back it up. Whether we're connecting on Twitter through at TalkAboutLander or... Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. You can find me through Carson on Air. That's C A R S E N.